The Garbage Hour is brought to you by exhaustion. I am so tired of everything. They took her post off Facebook Cause some men thought it was rude But she still got a thing or two to say To all those shitty dudes here on the garbage out Don't take it personally As we smash the patriarchy here on the garbage, here on the garbage, here on the garbage hour. Hello, and welcome to the garbage hour. I continue to be Megan McGuire. Today, we're dealing with heavy garbage, like a broken refrigerator, or I don't know, a bag of rocks. But seriously, I am so fucking sick of mass shootings. I'm sick of thoughts and prayers. I'm sick of nothing changing while the rest of the world has figured out a solution to this problem. And the shooting last week in Parkland, Florida, stoked the same rage in me. The same rage I felt after Sandy Hook, after Aurora, after San Bernardino. But lately, I've been feeling the rage start to dull in me, the little voice in my head that is almost unimpressed when it reads the headline, the voice that says, oh, another mass shooting, how banal. Like, that's fucked up. It is pure garbage that the government won't do anything about this over and over and over again so that we just start to expect that mass shootings are the price we pay to live in America. We're becoming desensitized, and we're supposed to think that it's supposed to be okay that every concert, movie, or class we go to, we keep our eyes on the emergency exit signs just in case. It's not normal. People are dying en masse. If it was a virus, we'd find a vaccine. If it was salmonella, we'd throw out all the eggs. But here we are with an endemic of mass shootings, and we're not doing a goddamn thing about it. And we see so many of the same talking points after tragedy. Yes, thoughts and prayers are annoying. Photos of a flag at half-mast are just half a step above useless. But then, when we talk about change, about how we can keep a mass shooting from ever happening again, the Republicans and the NRA mouthpieces always turn to the same old arguments. One, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Cool, 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 cool. Well, the difference between one man with a knife and one man with an automatic rifle are marked. There is no reason why a civilian should need a weapon that can fire, I don't know, hundreds of rounds in a minute. I make it a point not to understand how guns work. And that weapon makes it so much easier for a person to kill. So yes, the gun doesn't have a mind of its own. It's not the gun's fault. But the gun is what makes these tragedies so much more fatal. Two, banning guns won't do anything. Yes, people will still buy guns illegally, but people still obtain crack illegally even though crack is illegal. And if we didn't ban everything just because people would still do it, then it would be full-on chaos, like the purge or something. Robbery is still a crime even though people will steal, no matter what. But why wouldn't you at least make an effort to make our streets, our schools, safer? Number three, we should arm teachers. Oh my, just shut up. No, we shouldn't. 
that's definitely a thing we shouldn't do. My dad didn't study secondary math education so that he could have a rifle strapped to his back while he teaches 8th graders how to solve for X. If we want schools to be a safe space, I don't think introducing more killing sticks is the way to do it. And I'm going to be totally honest with you, I would have felt so much more unsafe in school if any of my teachers had had a gun. I would not have trusted a single teacher I had in high school with a gun. Even my favorite teachers. Because even though she was lovely, my English teacher's qualifications were in Russian literature, not guns. And I especially wouldn't trust the teacher who pretended to choke me in the hallway and who had a sign above his door that said, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Oh, but that's beside the point. Actually, it really isn't. Four, don't politicize a tragedy. No, I think I'm going to do that because I think Congress politicized this the second they accepted blood money from the NRA. And I think the epidemic of gun violence, especially gun violence against children, should be viewed as a national emergency. So I think it should be political. Five, cars kill people. Should we just ban cars? Well, let's see this analogy to its logical conclusion. If you are comparing guns to cars, here's the thing you need to do before you can drive a car. One, take a written test. Two, drive with the supervision of an adult for six months. Three, take a driving test. Four, follow traffic laws, including signs, speed limits, and not drinking and driving. Five, also, you can have your license revoked for disobeying these laws enough, or you can go to jail. Put all those provisions in place, and then you know what? We can fucking talk about guns and cars. It's easier to get a gun in this country than it is for my dad to pick up my dog's medications. Six. But the Second Amendment, Megan! Oh, yes, please. Let's talk about the old Constitution. The Second Amendment, of course, reads, quote, A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. Honestly, the Second Amendment reads like James Madison fell asleep halfway through writing it, and then woke up and finished his thought without totally remembering what the first part of his sentence was. And he didn't, like, read it over to check. The meaning of this amendment is frankly unclear, and it doesn't say anywhere don't take our guns no matter what. Also, if the Founding Fathers saw the kind of guns you were justifying with their half-baked amendment, they would shit their britches. And just to be clear, the Holy Constitution is the same document that said that slaves should be three-fifths of a person. It's the same document that was used to deny women, black people, Native Americans, and immigrants the right to vote. So, maybe... Just maybe the Founding Fathers didn't get it all right on the first try and couldn't anticipate the advancements made in technology. And even if the Constitution protects your right to bear arms, can we just agree that no person needs an automatic weapon or 10 automatic weapons for any reason? And the amendment doesn't mean that people shouldn't be vetted before buying guns at a fucking Walmart. And seven... Finally, my favorite, and by favorite, I mean, of course, least favorite, we don't need gun control. We need mental health reform. This one hits a little close to home for me. First of all, how fucking stupid would it sound if someone said that we needed physical health reform? 
Mental health covers a wide spectrum of illnesses and disorders, and to simplify violence down to mental health reinforces the stigma against mental health. Mentally ill people should not be your scapegoat for violence because most mentally ill people are not shooting up schools and movie theaters. And also, you can't talk about meaningful mental health reform after you spent the past seven years trying to keep Americans from having access to health insurance. You want to help insurance companies deny me coverage just because I have a pre-existing mental health condition. So why don't you get your head out of your asses and stop flapping your mouths about mental health reform, where every part of the Republican platform for the past seven years has been about repealing health coverage, and then you turn around and act like you give a shit about the mentally ill? It's a way of reinforcing the stereotype of mental illness as the equivalent of crazy or deranged. It makes it okay for people to get nervous about any person who has ever been to therapy. And it demonizes a whole group of people and ignores the real problem that all mass shootings have in common. They're all crazy, you say. Sure, maybe. But they all also had guns. The mental health talking point is a way of dodging the real issue while still looking like you're concerned about change. I'm not going to do anything about guns, but I'll talk about the vague idea of mental health reform instead. We've still seen all those talking points in the wake of the Florida shooting, but something about this time feels different. The survivors of the Parkland shooting are speaking up, taking on Marco Rubio face-to-face, -face, and giving a face to the movement. They are circumventing the don't-politicize-the-tragedy argument by being the ones to politicize the tragedy. Of course a teenage girl has shown more grace and chutzpah than Paul Ryan, Marco Rubio, and Donald Trump combined. They are telling Tommy Lahren to go fuck herself. It's the first shooting where I can more readily remember the names of the victims and survivors than I can of the shooter. It gives me hope in a way that I haven't felt in a long time. And these are the people who will be voting in 2020. These kids are dealing with grief and trauma far beyond their years, and yet they are taking time to debunk every single one of these arguments. And that, of course, doesn't stop people from trying to discredit these teenagers because, well, they're teenagers. I was relatively recently in my life a teenage girl, and I remember, sometimes all too clearly, what it was like to have my voice discounted and belittled. Things that are traditionally liked by teenage girls, One Direction for example, are seen as vapid and unimportant. Teenagers, especially teenage girls, passion for things is often written off, but it's the passion of these teenagers that might actually light a fire under the collective ass of our nation and actually force meaningful gun reform. And buttheads on Twitter can try to write them off by calling them um, immature or saying they're fake. But the fact of the matter is that Republican gun policy and the NRA had a hand in this and every gun tragedy, and they launched these so-called children into a maturity that far surpasses their years. And the efforts to silence and invalidate these teens are just another part of the NRA and the politician they own's effort to protect their guns at all costs. These people would rather say that these kids, who have actually been affected by guns and not just gun money, have no place in politics than listen to what they are saying. They would rather chastise a child for yelling at Marco Rubio instead of understanding the deep hurt and pain that the government in general are complicit in creating. Also, it takes a special kind of shit monster to tell kids who have recently faced an unimaginable tragedy to sit down and shut up.
What kind of uncompassionate monster would hear the voices of these young people and their first instinct is to mock, belittle, and condescend? In these times, it feels ooey-gooey and Pollyanna-ish to have hope. But these teenagers have actually given me hope in a new way. Businesses are ending their partnerships with the NRA. We're still talking about Parkland. At this point, in most other mass shootings, we've done the same old cycle. Thoughts and prayers. Fuck your thoughts and prayers. We want reform. Mental health. Guns. There's no way. Okay, good talk. But we're still talking about it. And these students are organizing marches and lions. This time feels different. At least I want to believe it feels different. And yes, it wouldn't be a true garbage 15 to 20 minutes and not actually an hour if I didn't shit on men a little bit. Well, we've come to that section of the show. Think of every mass shooting in recent memory, starting with Columbine, going all the way to last fucking week. Other than guns, what do they have in common? Boys. This isn't a new hot take. Michael Ian Black wrote a great op-ed in the New York Times last week. Did you know that sometimes the New York Times does good work when they're not giving a voice to Nazis? Hmm. And according to an article in USA Today that was originally published following the Las Vegas shooting last October and updated after the Parkland shooting last week, of the 97 mass shootings that have happened since 1982 in which three or more victims died, only three have been committed by women. One of those was also the San Bernardino shooting where one of the perpetrators was also a man. Gun violence is overwhelmingly male. Men are three times more likely to own a gun despite marketing efforts to lure women to buy guns. You know, pink guns, etc. Further, a lot of these men who have committed these mass shootings have a history of some combination of stalking and sexual and domestic violence. One part of the problem is that violence and masculinity have become inextricably linked. To be a man, one must be able to fight. Boys learn this from an early age when people tell them to fight back or man up on the playground in the cafeteria, and they are ridiculed and written off as a disappointment when they fail to do this. Boys are broken. They are taught that violence is the only way to express themselves and that anger is the only emotion allowed. I'm not saying this to be like, oh, poor boy, it's so sad that he had to shoot up a school. I'm saying this because no duh we need to hold every mass shooter accountable no matter how broken he is. But we also need to hold the society accountable that holds such a rigid definition of masculinity. And then, as Marco Rubio yammers on about mental health reform, it is important to remember that men are less likely to be diagnosed with a mental illness. Not because they have them less, necessarily, but because mental illness is associated with an emotional weakness that does not fit into our prescribed masculinity. As such, men often do not seek treatment or get a diagnosis. So if we want to reform mental health, aside from making sure everyone is insured and can get this treatment, it is about redefining who is allowed to have mental illness, who is allowed to ask for help, destigmatizing mental illness, and redefining our strict rules of masculinity. And... Another part of the problem is that domestic abusers are allowed to buy guns. So there are domestic abusers who have never actually been charged of assault because of the horrible he said, she said standard. But there's also this thing called the boyfriend loophole. This is the loophole in the law that keeps domestic abusers from buying guns that makes it so that they can still buy a gun as long as they are or were not married to their victim. Surprise! It's not just husbands who commit domestic violence. It's boyfriends, it's dating partners, it's casual hookups. And those guys shouldn't get a pass just because of the absence of a marriage license. Violence is violence is violence. 
Mass shootings do not just speak to the moral failures of an individual, it speaks to the moral failures of our society as a whole. We continue to value guns over the lives of our children, we fail to redefine what it means to be a man, and we don't care enough about women to keep guns out of the hands of their abusers. We belittle traumatized teens on Twitter and say that their anger and their passion and their movement is staged and fake. We accept gun violence as a regular part of living in America, and that is unacceptable. So thank you so much for your thoughts and prayers, but have you considered growing a spine and serving the people who you took an oath to serve? And now for our weekly segment, Sifting Through the Trash, in which I find something in my garbage can more qualified to be president than Donald J. Trump. Oh, gross. Oh, there's a wet tea bag in there. Oh, come on. This week, we have a clump of hair I pulled out of my hairbrush. This hair is more qualified to be president than Donald Trump, and actually, it's more qualified to be hair than Donald Trump's hair. And our other segment, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do, Megan? Where I answer that very question. If you are feeling especially helpless in the face of continued gun violence in this country, may I suggest donating to organizations like Everytown and Moms Demand Action, two organizations advocating for gun reform in this country. Um, marching with the Stoneman Douglas students and students across the nation in the March for Our Life on March 24th. Call your representatives and your senators. Tell them that you demand gun reform. Tell them that assault weapons have no place in our homes. Tell them to close the boyfriend loophole and tell them that you will keep calling until you, they get their heads out of the NRA's ass and act according to the needs of the American people. But maybe phrase it more politely than that. You can text NRA to 50409 to find out which of your representatives and senators gets money from the NRA, and how much. Already, so many companies have severed ties with the NRA, but keep putting pressure on those who haven't, and listen to these teenagers. Change is brewing, and they are writing the recipe. Thank you for listening. Please tell your friends about the Garbage Hour, for we are small, but we are mighty. Our theme song was written by Sean McGuire. Our purpose was written by Facebook's Community Standards. This may not have been an hour, but it was garbage. Listen to teenagers, believe teenagers, trust teenagers. Bye. Into the garbage, you fly boy!